Hi, this is Steve Bose, and you're listening to the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network. Subscribe to all the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Just search for HR Happy Hour. Thanks for being a part of the HR Happy Hour family, and enjoy the show. From HR Wins, I'm George LaRocque. And it's time for another HR Market Watch Future Work Podcast. If you follow HR Wins, you know that I cover the entire landscape of work and HR. Lately, my work has had me spending some time on two topics that cross all of the categories in HR and HR technology. Those topics are diversity and inclusion and automation. Automation including artificial intelligence, machine learning, workflow, among other things. These topics are especially hot in recruiting technology circles. Now, I'm not just throwing buzzwords around. I am always interested when someone has an approach that can make the hiring process more inclusive, and my interest gets piqued when that approach involves technology that can hit on three points. Point one, it scales, it's repeatable, and it can be used in highly skilled or in high-volume recruiting environments. Point two, it leverages data to make more effective hiring decisions without just introducing another level of unconscious bias to the process. And point three, it provides a good candidate experience. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, I don't have to explain the importance of candidate experience to you. Now, I'm a big believer in leveraging data and science to help make better hiring decisions. Why? Because I've seen it work firsthand in the field. Data science, behavioral science, competency or skills-based assessments, and more, they can all work when implemented properly and are proven and defensible. Defensible meaning they're fair and pass the basic legal test for compliance and fair hiring practices. So why has the industry struggled to get these tools in the hands of the broader market? I think there are two primary reasons. First, cost. I mean, these assessments aren't cheap and they can require support of an IO, an industrial and organizational psychologist. Those are also not cheap. Uh, Second, they can be cumbersome to use in your hiring process. I mean, so many of the solutions in the market today, and I see a lot of them, they, they look like the old bubble sheet tests were moved onto the web. And many of the rest, well, they look like the best interface you ever saw in 1999. Now, because of those two issues, cost and cumbersome usability, we tend to move this to the second or third phase of the hiring process after interest is established or wherever that happens in your process or or after finalist candidates are identified now there's a problem with that when you when you push this data and this science deeper into the hiring process you're leaving basically your entire candidate flow undiscovered. We're not leveraging science and data that we know works to identify the best candidates for the job. We're leveraging it to identify the best candidates that came through an inefficient process loaded with unconscious bias and gut level decisions. Now, when you can make your hiring process more fair and at the same time streamlined, you can include more candidates on the front end, not just widening your net, 
but getting more quality into your funnel. Yes, I just used the widening, widening your net and funnel analogies in the same sentence. But moving on, here's another one. It's the holy grail of candidate selection. And we get closer every day as innovators focus on this issue. Now, today I'm speaking with one of those innovators that says they have brought a scalable, positive candidate experience to the world of selection by using what they call talent trials in combination with online interviews and artificial intelligence to help the hiring process. I'm thrilled to have you listen in on this conversation. Vervo is an intelligent hiring platform that uncovers hidden talent through real-world tests, tasks, and tools designed by leading industry experts. Uh, Vervo replaces face-to-face interviews with talent trials. It's an interesting term. We'll dig into that in a few minutes. Um, They leverage AI-powered skill testing to hire the best people, and candidates showcase their talent in real-world scenarios, and then AI recommends the top performers. Um, Omer Molad is CEO and co-founder of Vervo. He's located in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, He founded Vervo in 2016. He's had a career as a banking executive, um, and he also was uh, an executive co-producer on an actual film project, which is kind of interesting. Uh, He's very passionate about making hiring about merit. Uh, Welcome, Omer. Hey, George. Thanks very much. Excited to speak with you. Well, I'm really happy that you're here. And um, tell us, tell us more about uh, Vervo and and yourself. You know, how, how did it come about? How did it start? Where'd the idea come from? What, what brought you to Vervo from banking and uh, media and entertainment? Absolutely. It's very personal for me. I am going back a little bit. I grew up in Tel Aviv um, and um, I I served in the military after school um, and worked at a couple of startups and I had what was considered a pretty good resume. And then um, at a young age, I moved to Australia, to Melbourne, uh, and I tried to get a job and I, I applied for um, probably about a hundred jobs and couldn't get an interview anywhere. Uh, and I felt very frustrated that um, I, I sort of went from um, someone who had had some brand equity and had some credibility to sort of the guy who couldn't get uh, into the room. Um, and, and, you know, I didn't have a, a degree and um, I, I was from the Middle East and my name sounded funny. And um, I came into this conservative society that, um, didn't really seem to want to talk to me or didn't know what to do with me. And that, that feeling stayed with me for a very long time. Um, so I sort of learned to play by the rules of the game. I went to um, a good university and, and went to law school and worked in, in banking for, for a long time. And, and much later on, I ended up running a big team. Um, and and I, I had that feeling again, but, but from the other side, I, um, headhunters would, would send me very impressive resumes of um, people from investment banks and, um, you know, we'd speak to them and see that, you know, they can't always, they're not always as good as they look on paper. They can't always apply their skills in a different setting. Um, and uh, the, the people inside the team, uh, in my team, who were the, the, the stars, the best performers, were the ones who were curious, hungry, worked hard, um, 
applied themselves thirsty were thirsty for knowledge and they they weren't necessarily the ones who had a logo on their resume or had good grades at school um, and and at the same time David Weinberg my co-founder had a really similar experience in the valley where you know it was the self-taught hackers who often excelled not necessarily always the the Stanford grads and we we came together and we reached a point where we said you know um, uh, th- there's got to be a better way um, for companies to connect with people because the current way isn't really working. And that was really, you know, neither of us are recruiters. It was really from just a, a personal experience um, living this. Oh, that's really interesting. It's, um, you know, I hear a lot of stories and, uh, you know, most of them either, there, there are two paths that I usually hear about. One is uh, from the industry uh, and, you know, growing up in it. Uh, the other is more of like a, uh, you know, a business plan, like what, you know, it, it, something that they see a need and it's, uh, you know, it, it, this looks really good on paper, but it's very rare that you hear a very personal um, story like that. So um, that's, that's interesting. I can kind of see, knowing what I know about Vervo, I can see, you know, looking at your messaging and sort of where you focus, um, I can, I, I get a better understanding of where that comes from. So, I've had Vervo on my radar for a while, um, but uh, I don't know that you know everybody listening to this knows about Vervo. So uh, we know how the company started. So so tell us a, about the company and you know what what types of companies use Vervo. Um, I guess uh, beyond the intro, a little bit more about what it is and. Uh, you know, who you're, you're, where are you doing business and what kind of customers you have and how they're using the, the product? Sure. So, so when, I ask, when I get asked that question, I, I always like to start um, with the mission because that's everything stems from there. So the mission is to make hiring about merit, not background. And, and what we mean by that is connecting companies with candidates in a way that's more authentic, that's more about can you do the job and how will you do the job as opposed to using proxies um, and, and other signals. So, uh, and what I mean by proxies is things like um, resumes or things that you could draw conclusions from about how someone might do the job. We're focused on how you actually do the job and creating an experience that shows companies exactly how candidates perform tasks that they would normally do on the job. Can you weld metal? Can you sell? Can you design? Um, can you edit a PowerPoint and, and, and so on? Um, and so typically our customers are people who believe what we believe. They, um, they buy into the story and that's also how we sell. And they believe that um, getting people to do a part of the job and to experience what the job will be like is the best way to predict um, not just how they'll perform, but also whether they'll be strongly engaged in the role and the team later on. Um, and, and so, um, you know, getting a little bit more specific where um, we, we, we've been global from day one. So our customers are everywhere, but about 50% are in the U S and um, the U S is a major focus for us. We, our sales and customer success teams are there. And in terms of segment, um, we started out in, in SMB and it's uh gravitated up market since and our focus today is a true mid market so companies that are making um you know a few hundred and sometimes up to a few thousand hires per year right right 
So you said something really interesting there. Um, you know, you talked about customers that, you know, sort of believe what, what you believe or they're aligned with, with your uh, belief about making um, hiring uh, based on making hires based on merit. And uh, I, I'd like to dig in on that a little bit. My, my experience, I mean, I'm a big believer in, um, in the science around assessments because I've seen it firsthand. I've used them uh, in hiring folks. Uh, and the minute uh, I, you know, I got guidance from an IO uh, to, that, that, that directed me, you know, it's a very simple example, but toward the right assessment to target uh, what I felt like I was missing on a, on very large sales teams. Uh, I saw, you know, quality improve, retention improve, the, my, my culture around in the team improved everything, right? It was, it was, uh, I, I really go back to that one point in time where uh, I was able to make more eff effective hires. And also I've implemented those uh, across companies. But I found in that experience that not everybody gets it. So when you say they're aligned, is it is it they're aligned, you know, sort of intuitively? Or, you know, are you talking about folks that are using assessments today and they, they or both? Uh, yeah, yeah it's, 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 a, it's a great question. Um, I, I think, so, so there are two, two categories. One is um, people who are not necessarily using a structured assessment, but who um, maybe are doing something offline that, that is similar. So they've realized that, um, you know, resumes aren't really working for them. Traditional interviewing um, isn't, isn't really predictive. And so what they're doing is they might be bringing people um, to, to do an exercise on the whiteboard, um, maybe a design challenge in the room. Um, but that, that, that is inherently not scalable. Um, and, and it's also, it's, it's harder to measure and get um, objective data on because you're going to have interviewer bias and you're going to have a number of other problems. Um, but, but they already get the concept of, I want to see, you know, if, if I want to know if someone's a good tennis player, I want to see them hit a tennis ball. They, they already get that. So that, that's kind of one group. Um, the other group is uh, the folks who aren't really doing that, but they're in pain and um, we sort of come along and, and we, we tell the story and they say, yes, uh, you know, and they kind of, they, they believe it, it resonates with them and they say, okay, but how can this work? How is this possible? Um, and, and so these are folks that, you know, they, they're not, they haven't, they're not early adopters in the sense that they they've implemented already, but they are absolutely receptive to bringing about change. Right. Right. This is, it's probably a good, uh, lead into the, the concept of the talent trial, right? So I, I think, yeah, I'm throwing around the, the word assessment and anybody listening to this podcast might be thinking of, you know, traditional assessments. Why don't, right. why don't you, you um, uh, explain what a talent trial, what, what does Vervo mean by talent trial? Yeah, so, so we had to get really, we had to spend a lot of time thinking about language because to your point, um, the word assessment, it's sort of thrown around, but, you know, IO psychologists will, um, you know, we're going to get into a lot of trouble with the IO psychs if we say assessment and, and we mean something that's not an assessment. It, it actually means something very specific. Right. Um, and, and the word interview, which is commonly used and, and accepted, and in fact, a lot of the, um, 
our peers in, in this category use the word, you know, reinventing or digitizing the interview, that also means something very specific. And we weren't satisfied with that word either because um, we feel that what we're doing is better than an interview and different. So we came up with the concept of a talent trial um, that, that is an umbrella term for the activity that happens on our platform. The simple version is skill testing, but no one likes a test. Um, and we feel that talent trial is uh, optimistic. It's, it's an opportunity from, from the employer side or the recruiter side um, to, to um, give candidates an opportunity to, to trial their talent. So um, trial being the operative word, um, which is a, you know, we see that as similar to audition. Um, and, and from the candidate side, we think of it as a talent showcase. So we think of um, an opportunity to put your best foot forward and prove, uh, prove your skills. So talent trial is the umbrella term that, that we use um, to describe the activity that occurs on the platform. And, and is it, uh, skill specific? In other words, it's, it's very, um, it's, you gave examples earlier about, you know, can you develop a PowerPoint or can you, you yeah. know, code in a certain language or something like that? Those are, you know, tangible skills. Does it go beyond that or is that worse? It does. We, we think of things um, in, in four broad categories, job specific skills, um, which are the, exactly the things that you mentioned. Um, can you, can you design, can you sell and so on. Um, then we think of general work skills, often known as soft skills, but we don't really like to say soft skills. So these are kind of things that um, are important, but they're not specific to one job, like attention to detail that is important across many, many um, jobs. And then there are two other categories that are the traditional assessment categories. So um, personality and, and cognitive. So um, personality, quite controversial in hiring, but sometimes used to um, try and predict how someone might behave in certain scenarios and um, whether they're suitable um, for a certain job profile or a better fit for that profile. And cognitive is all about how someone processes thoughts. Um, and, and in the latter two categories, um, personality and cognitive, we partner. So we, um, we bring in partners like Wonderleak and Big Five Assessments in the UK and deliver their um, validated assessments on our platform. And in the um, uh, job specific and general work skills, everything's custom, it's bespoke, and it has to be. It has to be context dependent because it's unique to your role. It's getting people to do the job in your company, not that job in someone else's company. Right, right. Well, yeah, two really important points there. I mean, the validation on those uh, latter two categories is really key. That's the you know, the compliance issue, the, you know, keeping the employer out in the U.S. anyhow, keeping the employer out of, uh, you know, potential legal issues or at least mitigating that, um, that risk. And then, uh, you know, the bespoke nature, you know, every, every time I've seen this work successfully, and I had a, my story was a very simple example, but it, it starts with really, you know, looking at that environment, that specific environment, um, and understanding what makes a great hire or, you know, what, what makes a great, you know, engineer, salesperson, designer, uh, retail associate, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, so that, that's, that's interesting. Now, a couple of things I wanted to come back to, um, you mentioned the, the candidate side, um, you know, I'm, 
you know, we had a conversation or two before this, this uh, interview and you know that I'm, I'm, I'm a believer that nobody really likes, nobody enjoys taking an assessment. Um, but yet I've seen your engagement and completion rates and they're quite impressive. And I'd, I'd like to understand, you know, how, how does that happen? What is it that you're doing that creates that environment? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a, um, it's a great question. It, we, so obviously our customer is, is the company that's hiring, um, but our most important stakeholder is the candidate. And, and, and the reason for that is um, if, if it's not, it, it goes beyond completion rates. If candidates aren't more than completing, if candidates aren't actually seeing this as an opportunity um, and feeling um, positively or at least neutral, but ideally positively about their experience, that's going to get back to um, the company's hiring and they're going to see this as additional friction for, for candidates. Um, and, and so, so what we did was um, we went well beyond user experience and we, we asked ourselves, how do we put candidates in a mindset of this is an opportunity to succeed rather than a hoop I have to jump through and all the language, the user experience, the messaging, the colors, everything that, um, the candidates see uh, are geared around, are based on that. It's around, um, this is an opportunity to showcase your talent. It's what you want. You've applied for this job. You want to be in the room. We are putting you in the room. That, that, that's the key. And, and that, that's really the most important point. Right. So there, um, while their experience may be, um, physically, you know, as the, the, the questions that they're answering or the, the method by which they're answering it on the, on the screen. Um, it may be just like another, you know, survey or assessment, uh, their perception, the intent behind that assessment and, and what they're getting out of it is, is you, you've changed that that, I think that that's the starting point. It's obviously not enough. So that the starting point is, you know, this isn't a, a hurdle. This isn't a test. This is, this is the real, um, you're in the room. This is the real deal. Um, that, that's the first thing. The second thing is we know there's a correlation between um, how much someone wants a job and how, how much effort they'll put in. So we, you know, we automatically pick up the dominant color from the employer's logo and, and we use their language and everything is employer branded. And so candidates feel immersed in, um, in that. And, and there's um, very rigorous messaging. So candidates are always informed. Um, they know what stage they're, they're up to in the process. They know what's going to happen next. They hear back at every stage. And I think that's, that's critical, but we see that as kind of bread and butter. That, that's just kind of it has to happen. Um, but beyond that, another thing that candidates really enjoy is tasting the role. And I think that um, can make the difference between you know, just another test, which you call going to the dentist. Um, I think, I think you said that doing a <laughs> test is like, yeah. right. So, 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 um, you know, doing a test compared to, um, I'm going to spend 20 minutes, um, feeling, um, seeing what it would be like to work as a designer at this series B startup or at, um, this company, there's a big difference between those two things. Right. Now that's not always, you know, that's obviously difficult to manufacture, but that's the aspiration. And, and, and when we can do that, 
um, it becomes a very powerful and positive experience for candidates. So that, that's what we aspire to. Okay. Okay. Um, I like that. And now uh, let, I want to come back to the, the employer side of things for a second, um, shift gears on you a little bit. So I've, uh, another thing that I've said a lot is that uh, until, um, until assessments are democratized, um, they, they won't ever be as effective as they can be. And what I mean by that is uh, accessibility, right? So accessible to all businesses. So it's not just the biggest companies who can afford uh, to pay on a, you know, per assessment basis. Um, but, uh, but accessible to a point also where everybody, every candidate um, goes through the process because at that point you're, you're, you're really um, illuminating uh, the talent that is is showing interest in your in your company and right. probably finding things that you aren't and I know that you find you find things that you wouldn't have found on your own so do you address that is that is that something that you you bring to the table uh, absolutely so, so so there's three there are three things essentially that we do to deliver on our mission the first is which we've talked about a lot is um, you know replacing the traditional components with um, a skill test or a talent trial, so with an activity that that reflects the job. That's the first. That's that's kind of the easiest part. The second is um, making the process inclusive for candidates, and and what we mean by that is um, every applicant gets an opportunity to showcase their talent, not just the privileged ones, not just the ones who look good on paper, and not just the ones who are good at gaming the ATS, but all of them. Um, so they're not screened out arbitrarily in any way uh, at the top of the funnel everyone gets a chance and that's critical um, because that that means that we're not ruling out awesome people because of some reason that is not can they do the job um, and what that does is on the one hand it's very powerful on the other hand that creates a problem because you know if it's a high volume role all of a sudden you might have 500 or a thousand or ten thousand people performing these talent trials and then the recruiter on the other side has all these responses. So that leads to the third thing that, so, so how the, the way we solved that was using machine learning. So we, we found a way to um, auto grade responses from any test, no matter what the test um, and, and rank candidates only based on how they perform tasks on our platform. We're not reading any other signals. And the reason we did that was what we saw before we developed the machine learning was um, in high volume roles, employers were reverting to the old kind of screening behaviors because they just had to, they were overwhelmed. There were just too many responses. So they started taking people out of the process um, at the beginning. And we, that wasn't acceptable to us because that, that, that kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And, and is the, one of the big issues that I see in the market, um, I alluded to earlier, is um, is price. So I don't want to get into you know put you on the spot around numbers, but is this a um, a per candidate kind of environment, or is it more of a license and subscription kind of kind of model? Yeah, we we charge based on number of hires, which okay. tends to be very much um, aligned with value. We uh, never ever um, 
we, we sort of really early on um, learned that charging per candidate is just a big no-no because it's just contrary to our mission. As soon as we charge per candidate, um, companies will just take less candidates onto the platform, which means they're screening, which is exactly what we don't want them to do. Um, so it's always unlimited candidates, always. It can be two candidates or 20,000. Um, so we focus on um, number of hires, which, which tends to be, um, you know, very, very, it, it, it makes sense because companies that um, are hiring thousands of people, typically they're very large and they have a budget and they expect to pay for that. It's also aligned with, with the value that, that we deliver. Sure. Well, that's, that's what's happened in the market. You know, the scenario you just painted where if it's, you know, per assessment, um, they take, you know, they take less candidates. And the way that transpires is they start selectively using the, the, um, the instrument uh, later in the process and on specific positions or in specific right. uh, areas or divisions or job types um, where they're having a really acute problem. And so you see little pockets of success, but overall, uh, they, they don't experience that. And it, so that's, um, that's to me, one of the things that's, that's been broken with the, uh, this part of the, the market, uh, for a long time. Um, so I, and I've seen that firsthand. So a couple of, uh, we've covered a lot of ground and, and, and not a lot of time. Um, couple final questions for you. First one is, uh, ste- stepping back even further, real high level, you know, where, you know, from your seat, where do you see hiring and selection going, you know, in the, in the, in the, we'll call it the near future. You know, it's interesting. Two years ago when we started, when we would talk to people about this kind of stuff that they, they had no idea what on earth we were talking about. Um, and, and in, in a relatively short period of time, um, and particularly the last 12 months, there, there, there seems to be, much more awareness um, around this category. It's really developing as a category now, skill testing. Um, and, and I think that that trend is going to continue um, very much so um, because the, the technology is available now. And, and I think if you sort of take that a step further, um, data is available now at all stages of the hiring process. I think companies that are discerning um, can't afford to um, ignore data in, in the way that they make decisions, not, not just in, um, in what we do, but in, in other aspects of, of recruitment. Um, and we're seeing that more and more that um, data is now the, the competitive advantage. Um, and it even, it goes beyond the hiring decision. It's um, through to performance and benchmarking and understanding um, which sources of um, of talent end up um, correlating to high performance. Um, so so we, we see data being the main um, area that will, and, and, and by the way, um, and, and I think, and you would, you would know this better than most, um, in terms of data and machine learning and, and, and all the other sort of buzzwords, we, we haven't even scratched the surface. We, we've only just begun. I know it feels like everyone has AI, but really nobody has AI, hardly anyone. Right. Um, it, we are just at the beginning of what is going to be possible in the next, you know, um, five, 10, 20 years. Right. 
Right. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that across the across the board. Um, and there are a lot of implications uh, that need to be considered uh, as far as how how that is all being used in this new privacy world uh, that we're that we're living in as well. With yep. Leveraging data to inform, you know, the machine to make decisions for us. So uh, so what's what's next for Vervo? What's you know, what are the big things you're seeing um, on, in your future as a company? Yeah, a couple of really big things we're working on this quarter. We, we really want to get better at connecting companies to content. And by content, um, we mean uh, evaluation content. Right now, we have a library and um, the content from there can be selected and customized and you can create your own. But, but if you think about that, that's kind of a, that, that can only grow in a linear fashion. And um, what we want is we're moving to a world where you will just describe to us your ideal hire. So I want to hire a graphic designer who's tenacious and a team player. Um, And based on that, um, the perfect talent trial will be generated for you automatically. And we, we can do that because we have the data. We, we know which questions are popular, how long they take to answer, how much emphasis companies are putting on the responses. So we can, um, cobble together and when i say we i mean software um, a perfect test for you not just for a graphic designer but a graphic designer at your company with all the attributes that you care about so that um, that is um, very very big thing that that we're working on right now and the other thing we're working on is um, for technical hires for coding we we have uh, a code editor but we're really double downing on that and taking that to the next level and um, adding the ability to run live code uh, and auto grade um, based on qualitative factors. So really give you insight on all the skills that um, the, the development, the engineering candidates have. Um, and that's really in terms of um, engineering that that's going to be a, a huge weapon for us. So there, um, uh, there's obviously a lot, a lot else going on, but there's sort of two, two things that I, that I wanted to highlight that in the next couple of months we're releasing. Cool. Well, that sounds exciting. So if folks want to keep tabs and, and watch that evolve or just find out more about Vervo, what's the best way to, to do that? Yeah. So we, we, um, the, the website, uh, vrvoe.com, we have live chat, um, on the side and we're an open platform. So, um, everything's on the on the website including our pricing and um we offer um uh, folks who want to speak to us the opportunity either to make a time to talk to the team or to um register for free and and try the product so it's a very open platform um and then me personally i tend to hang out on linkedin um for better or worse um so that's that's probably the easiest way to find me (laughs) All right. All right. Well, you know, I could, uh, I could dig in on this for a while, but um, we're out of time. Uh, I wanted to thank you for, uh, for being here and, and uh, uh, you know, answering all my questions and, and giving us uh, some of your time today. So, uh, thank, it's been my pleasure and, and thanks so much for the opportunity, George. All right. Take care now. Thanks again to Omer Molad of Vervo for sharing Vervo's vision on hiring and selection. And thank you for listening to another HR Market Watch. 
Now, if you're interested in being a guest, shoot an email to hrmw, that's hrm like market, w like watch, at hrwins.com, and we'll start the conversation there. Until next time, I'll see you over at hrwins.com. Thanks, everybody. 